the identity of Silicon Valley originally started as innovators coming together with financiers and creating. And now it's turned a little bit more into Hollywood where it's this dream of becoming the Mark, the next Mark Zuckerberg or uh, building a billion dollar company and having a lot of money. And so the motivation behind why people go there, not for everyone, but I think largely is, is shifting. Welcome to Digital Nordic Creatives, a podcast that brings honest stories and meaningful topics from the world of design and tech. My name is Jessie, and in today's episode, I will share with you the interview that I had with Elijah Murray in China. Here it goes. Hello from China. We are a long way from Denmark this time. An estimate of 9,000 kilometers, attending APIA Startup Accelerator at Shenzhen University here in China. The program is very intense, as the idea is to build a startup and get the first 1,000 customers in three weeks. It's a challenge, but luckily we're surrounded with bright and inspiring mentors to help us on the way. I'm here today with one of them. He is in an entrepreneur, designer, and engineer, Elijah Murray. He is the co-founder and CEO of Matter Product Studio, where they build a new startup and product every month. He's also the co-founder of Lenda, a website for getting your mortgage online. Elijah, welcome to Digital Nordic Creatives. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for having me. As I mentioned, you're an engineer, designer, and entrepreneur. These are three key roles for every existing business today. So I want to start by asking, what is your background that led you to today's professional roles? And why did you choose to become a three-winged unicorn? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a very glamorous way of putting it, but thank you for that. Um, the main reason of how I ended up where I am is ultimately I had a lot of ideas in my head and I wanted to create things. I wanted to build things. I wanted to build companies. And my biggest problem was that I didn't know anyone who could help me do it. So rather than saying, ah, I c I'm stuck, I can't do it, I decided to put my head down and just solve the problem that I had. So at one point that was design, so I started learning how to design. And then later engineering, figuring out how to write code and how to build websites. So it's, it's mainly just a function of having a problem and then solving my way through that. So what was your biggest initial problem that led you to this kind of thinking um, and sort of a, a do-it-yourself <laughs> kind of person? I think it goes back to me working well in high school and really not liking to have to spend my time for money. And it just seemed stupid to me. It seemed like there was a more efficient way. And even when I was working in fast food, if I came up with a really clever way of doing my task or my work, I still had to work the hours to get paid. And I thought that was stupid. So I wanted to find better ways of making money where I didn't have to directly trade my time for money. And, and that means building a business. All right. So after high school, what happened? After high school, I thought I had to go to college. Everyone that was an adult told me I was supposed to, but I tracked down my f one of my favorite authors, Tim Ferriss, who wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, and I spoke to him for a good 30 minutes, and he kind of framed it differently. He didn't frame college as this four-year commitment, 
but he framed it as you can go for a day, a week, a month, or a year, and leave whenever you want to. And because of that, I ended up going to college for a year, hating it. I, I mean, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. But from a, me creating what I wanted to create in the world, it didn't get me closer to that. So I decided to leave after a year, and I moved to the Philippines to start my journey of, of true entrepreneurship. That sounds very interesting. And an, an alternative way to becoming a, an engineer, a designer, <laughs> an entrepreneur. Today you, are a co you have co-founded um, Matter Product Studio and Lenda. Could you tell me about the work you do there uh, and the story of how it started? So after dropping out of school, I moved to the Philippines and decided to really kind of explore what I wanted to do. I didn't have a specific path but I knew that I wanted to do something different than college. So while there, I built my first agency doing web dev and web design work and taught myself those skills and figured out how to make money by working on projects and getting paid for that. After that, I wanted to up my game and I was fascinated with Silicon Valley and entrepreneurship. So I moved to San Francisco and co-founded Lenda and over the following three and a half years, my co-founder Jason and I raised nine and a half million dollars, hired a massive team, went through 500 startups, and I learned a lot about building companies, managing people, and got a lot better at both design and, and writing code. But something was still missing, and so at the end of 2016, after we closed our Series A, I decided to change cities. I moved to New York City. And I wanted to get back into what originally inspired me to become an entrepreneur, which was building products, solving many problems, not just one, and not focus so much on raising money and dealing with investors, but on building and designing tools and websites and resources that solved real problems. And so that takes me to Matter, where now we incubate companies for ourselves that we own and run and grow, and then also consulting with enterprises where we help them be more entrepreneurial and solve technology and product problems internally. Which of the three roles that you have do you put to practice mostly in your daily work at Matter Product Studio? It's really a blend of all of them. Whenever I get bored with one aspect, the other one's there <laughs> to kind of capture my attention and that's just who I am and that's what I've learned to work with is that I like to be challenged in multiple ways and I don't like to just have one skill set and focus on that. So I decided to build a company and center my work in a way that works towards that versus telling myself I'm wrong and I have to change. Mm -hmm. But if you would have to choose one of them that you would choose to sit all day and do one of them, which one is your favorite? It really depends on the week, but designing prototypes and then also building prototypes from an engineering space, you can really just jump in and lose track of time completely. And while you might think that they're very different, they're actually quite similar. When you're designing, you're building and mapping out something based on what the user needs and how you address that, and when you're programming it, you're doing something very similar. You, you have a problem, and you're writing code, which looks very different than design, but ultimately you're trying to solve 
a problem. And I think that's what I really like at the end of the day is solving problems. Mm -hmm. But as a designer, I believe that we have a key role in shaping society with, with the decision that we make. Do you recall any moments where you've been in doubt if you were doing the right thing or um, where you, like you were questioning the consequences of your creations, what you were creating? Absolutely. There's so many days, I'd say more days than not, I have doubt and fear and frustration and I wonder if what I'm doing, if what I'm doing is right or if it's actually good, if it's good for me, if it's good for the business, good for the world. But then there are the other times where you feel like you're actually doing something that makes you happy. And I feel like if more people were to do what makes them happy, then overall that's going to be a net positive. Hmm. So on that note, what are some of the advices that you want to give to as aspiring designers and engineers out there? I think some of the advice that's already out there, while right, doesn't frame things appropriately. So let me give you an example of that. I think the advice to follow your passion and the money will follow, while true, doesn't tell you that it will take probably 10 years before the money will follow. <laughs> so with things like that, I, I think you need to take a, a blended approach of who you are and be very, very honest with who you are. And then also realize what you truly need. And, and in this day and age, we all need money, right? So figure out what you need and make sure that your needs are being taken care of, whether that's driving for Uber because you can't make money as a designer or you can do some freelancing work that you don't really like, but at least it makes some money. Or hopefully you get to the point where every single day you wake up and work on things that really inspire you and you make your living that way. But working towards what you want to do is an iterative process. So take a step, see if it's aligned with where you want to end up, and if it does, then take another and then another. other startups. This is also something you do in your daily work. Um, so after founding and co-founding your own startups, you um, have become now a mentor and consultant for other startups. How is it to mentor startups and what are some of the challenges that you face there? So for me, mentoring and teaching is just another way for me to learn. It means that I take everything that I've done and I see if I can define a lesson from it. And if I can't, if I've, I've just had success, but I can't understand it, then that doesn't help me and it doesn't help others to repeat it. So that's really what mentorship is for me and, and why it's so much fun to try to distill down my life and what I've done. And hopefully if I can help one person somewhere just be a little bit more true to what they want or get a little bit further ahead in, in their life, then it's a tremendously rewarding experience. Oh, the challenges. Well, the challenges, uh, a lot of it comes from 
how to communicate. And I think that that is probably one of my greatest strengths beyond any of the things that I've taught myself and may not be that good at, but I can kind of do. Communication is the root of everything. All the products that we're building, all the software, all the technology, humans just want to communicate better. And so in order to mentor, you need to meet people exactly where they are. And then once you connect with them, that's when you can start giving advice or guidance. But if you're unable to connect and unable to get on that same level, you can't communicate. And so you might say the best advice in the world, but if you're not actually getting through to someone, it's, it's wasted. So that can be very difficult to do and painful because you might have to see the world in a way that you think is wrong just so that you know where they're coming from before you can actually communicate. Mm -hmm. And in your experience, what is the best way to come through and connect with someone, whether you're mentoring them or just having a talk and they need an, an advice? That's a great question. I think for me, the best way to start that is just to listen. And whether this is in relationships or in mentorship or work or any aspect of life, if you spend more time truly trying to listen to what the other person is saying, you will most likely learn from that. And you'll learn more about the other person. And then only then can you spend maybe five or 10% actually conveying a message back. But you've really connected with them. You've listened to who they are, where they're coming from. And at that point, then you can start having a healthy and open discussion about building a startup, doing design work, or closing a client. It's all the same thing. But you need to really come in with open, open ears and open eyes. Let's go back to startups again. Um, from what I experience, most of new startups seem to have evolved into a default Silicon Valley business model, um, where the main purpose is to break things and build fast, um, get funded, and then exit. While this can be very good for certain startups, it turns others into surveillance-based businesses. And we have many examples of them today. Um, and those examples are unhealthy for society and economy. What are your obs observations and thoughts on this model? And do you see any changes being made? Yeah, so that's part of the reason that I left Silicon Valley, is that I think the identity of Silicon Valley originally started as innovators coming together with financiers and creating. And now it's turned a little bit more into Hollywood where it's this dream of becoming the, Mark, the next Mark Zuckerberg or uh, building a billion dollar company and having a lot of money. And so the motivation behind why people go there, not for everyone, but I think largely is, is shifting. And so I honestly think that at some point Silicon Valley is going to kind of self-correct It's going to, something's going to happen and there will be a shift in either there'll be less funding or startups will start failing or I don't know what it is, but I think there will be a reset. In terms of what I'm doing and, and what I would advise other people to do is what I'm doing with Matter, Rich is my co-founder, so Rich and I are doing with Matter is we're building profitable businesses, right? So we focus on a business that can live on its own, 
and it makes more money than it spends. And that's something that's very foreign to the Silicon Valley model, but yeah. it, it's like, imagine asking and raising your child and telling them they don't need to walk, but they need to learn to run really fast. And it's just unsustainable. So I advise other people who are exploring entrepreneurship, while it's great to build a, the next social network or the next Snapchat, try to build something that creates value for people right now, and you can earn a, a living off of that, and you don't need outside investors to sustain you and pay for your salary for the next 10 years, but you create something of worth, and people will pay you what that's worth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're advising for them to grow organically. Yes. But while having the image or the illusion of a Silicon Valley business, and then you're offering or showing them this business that grows organically, um, and of course, someone who is in need of money and they need to pay their rent or they have a family to sustain, this model, the first model, looks much more attractive. So how do you advise to stay ethical in your choices and uh, yeah, be more attracted towards the organic business models? I mean, it's very easy for me to sit here, having done a Silicon Valley startup, to give advice that you shouldn't do it. <laughs> so if you want to do that, go do that. I'm not going to stop you. I think if what I'm talking about makes sense to you, um, the steps to follow would be try to not just jump in and quit your day job and try to make your new startup work. You can work on your startup on the side while still bringing in income. And in this day and age, there's so many different ways for you to make money easily in a, in a non-full-time way, whether that's freelancing websites, it's driving for Uber, it's doing anything in the service-based economy. You could be waiting tables for 20 hours a week and save the rest of your time to focus on building your startup. So it's not this you have to go one way or the other. You can make your own journey and make your own path, and you don't have to be locked into raising money or quitting your day job. So please tell me, what are some of your dreams or hopes or plans in the near or faraway future? So what Rich and I really want with Matter is to build startups that stand on their own two legs. But more importantly, we're seeking the playbook so we can do it repeatedly. Because if we can repeat that model of going from an idea to product, product to revenue, then if we can build that playbook, we can go out and teach it and make it so much bigger than just one or a dozen companies. So in that same vein, one of the, one of the startups that we're, we're building is called makerstories.io, and it's a platform for people like yourselves, designers, makers, uh, entrepreneurs, basically anyone who is trying to build something 
to tell their story as it happens. Too often we see commencement speeches or YouTube videos or books by authors that talk about success stories in, an, in a bio, biographical way. And they say, you know, early on, it was really hard starting Amazon and I sweated for 12 years and now I'm a billionaire. And we kind of lose what that entire process is. We focus on Mark Zuckerberg as this crazy, awesome, successful person, but we don't know about the hard steps that he took to get there. So my hope is that the entrepreneurship community and people in general, whether with Maker Stories or something else, can share real, can share real, honest feedback about the struggles and the successes and every single step that they go through so that if you turn out to be the next Sergey Brin, we can see how you got there every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope for just entrepreneurship and, and life in general is people to be more authentic and more honest in who they are mm-hmm. because I think it's better for the individual and it's also better for everyone else. Right. It's true. I hope that many more entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and designers and engineers will share their journey so we can all learn from that. Um, what about technology? How do you see the future of technology? Are you an optimist or a pessimist or somewhere in between? I'm forever the optimist. I, I think, I think <laughs> we're heading to a beautiful future. All right. How does it look for you? Can you paint a picture? I honestly don't spend too much time thinking about that. I, I tend to try and focus on what I can control, which is generally myself. And reality is what reality is. So... My job is to see it as it is and then react in the way that I, I want to. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not quite the answer you might be looking for, but that's, <laughs> that's how I see the future. Yeah, I was fishing more for, um, you know, the future of AI. And, yeah, you probably, you probably got that. But, yeah, the future of AI, I mean, there are so many problems that you can easily become a pessimist and robots will take over and all of the other theories that exist but in your in your opinion or in your vision you think that um everything's looking positive in the future or uh, i do i i believe in human resiliency and i think at the end of the day humans have this amazing ability to survive and thrive and so even if we were to get to a point where ai was terrible i think <laughs> We would win. We would prevail. So I think at the end of the day, we solve problems that we have as a human race. And so I think that any problem that we encounter as a species, we will overcome. Um, Yes, it might be painful. Yes, there might be bad times. But I think at the end of the day, we've proven that we're here to stay. And I think that will continue. We'll survive. (laughs) So with that positive note, I want to thank you for being here on Digital Nordic Creatives and we look forward to follow you on your future work. Can you please tell people where they can follow you and your work online? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And the best place to connect with me will be on Twitter at Elijah Murray. Uh, Feel free to ask me questions or I'm curious to hear your stories on Maker Stories if you do sign up. Great. Thank you, Elijah. Thank you so much.
Elijah's story is truly inspiring and I hope that you have found your motivation to first of all stay true to yourself and see where that leads you, whether it's in the Philippines, China or New York. Let us know along the way. Find us on Facebook and Twitter under the handle at Nordic Creatives and write us any message or tweet us or comment. We're really open to all of your opinions. Until next time, see you!